started coming out of Harvard Medical School, we started in medical schools, in healthcare, in life sciences, pharma, med device, very, very strong. Yeah, especially in the sales enablement of pharma. That was, you know, bread and butter early on. Now, the reality is QStream works well wherever knowledge matters. And over the last three to five years, we've recognized as an organization that knowledge matters a lot of places. You know, we've gotten big into financial services, um, banks, and um, we're into food safety now and food quality and those types of things because it's the same types of thing. There's, there's sales enablement needs there, but there's also process needs and compliance needs and just basic HR things like diversity and inclusion, you know, cybersecurity. I mean, there's so many topics that people are trying to get information into people's heads and make it stick. As long as it matters, as long as counting butts and seats isn't enough for you, then QStream is a good fit. So we've really branched out in the last three or so years into all kinds of other industries. And it's it's been quite exciting to see the reaction. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Brett Kramer. Brett is the Vice President of Sales and Customer Success at QStream. And in our conversation today, we, we talk about enabling sellers. I know that's not a shocking uh, topic considering the name of this podcast. However, we're all aware that the problem with much of the sales training today is not about the content. It's about how that training information is presented and how it's consumed by sellers. Perhaps most, most importantly, it's about how that training is not effectively reinforced over time in order to affect real behavior change in sellers. Now, one solution to that is microlearning. Brett and I dig into what microlearning is and how it can be used to personalize the learning path for sellers and how it can provide training in the flow of work to reinforce and supplement lessons that were learned in more conventional settings like classroom or online trainings. Now, we get into all this and much, much more. But before we get to Brett, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you could also leave us a rating or a review and let us know how we're doing, well, we'd appreciate that. So thank you. I also want to remind you to check out my latest book, Sell Without Selling Out. It's a modern, human-centric framework for increasing your win rates and shortening decision cycles without resorting to the salesy behaviors that buyers hate. It's available everywhere you shop for books, online, and in stores. All right, let's jump into it. Brett, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Appreciate the time. Yeah, pleasure to have you on. Um, Gosh, we had the founder of QStream on years ago, uh, yeah. relatively early, Duncan Lennox. Yeah. And um, actually, I think he was on a couple times. So, yeah. yeah. Um, well, tell us a little about yourself, how long you've been at, at QStream and um, so on. Absolutely. Yeah. I just passed my year anniversary. Mm -hmm. um, so, been with QStream for a year now, uh, VP of Sales and Customer Success. Mm -hmm. and uh, come from a background, uh, quite a few different uh, SaaS companies in sales roles and sales management roles. Sure. Um, and then uh, spent uh, quite a long time with uh, IBM in more of an enterprise level, kind of large software deal type of sales roles as well. Yeah, that was what, rational or? Rational, yeah, very yeah. good, yeah. yeah. It was uh, interesting times. Back in the, in the late 90s, we were doing really well and IBM scooped us up and hung around with IBM for a number of years and a uh, very uh, interesting sales culture there. It was always, always fun. Well, all right. So 
can't escape with that type of description of it. So uh, you'd, I mean, Rational was relatively good size when you were acquired. It was about yeah. a billion dollars. Yeah. Just yeah. shy. Yep. But so IBM, obviously much bigger, more established. What was interesting about it? Well, you know, when I came into IBM, I was, I always enjoyed solving problems in my sales roles and my sales leadership roles. So I always tried to get to the right level so that you can make the bigger impact. Mm -hmm. And at IBM, as you get up in that organization, it was tougher to make the impact because the impact is at the customer level. And so I was going this way that the impact was, was more applicable downstream. And so it was just an interesting learning experience for me. At that point, I was a fairly young executive in the organization. And I just, I didn't realize that being close to the the end customers was really the way to make the biggest impact. And sure. so it, was, it was interesting. Yeah. So you felt divorced to some degree from the customer. I did. Yeah. 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 Interesting. It would, interesting. Uh, became tough to, to change, uh, change what was happening and, and really solve those problems. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, as, as if you're in sales for any period of time and you, yeah, you have that separation. It's like, you do, you feel like, uh, yeah, the muscles getting weaker. Yeah, yeah, it is true. And, and even with the, uh, you know, we were talking about COVID just briefly, but even with the last couple of years, that separation, it's a different separation, mm -hmm. but there's, there's a new separation there that's, that's um, been tough to deal with as well. So, yeah. So, and we're probably going to compound that to some degree with whatever is coming with the economy, yeah. uh, whether we recession or stagflation, if that, since that seems like that's a real possibility that <laughs> combination of recession and high inflation, how do you, how do you prep your sales team for that? I mean, how do you prep your managers, yourself to say, I mean, cause you have to be thinking about it at some point now. I mean, you don't yeah, want to leave the it's, it's right here. So you know, what are the discussions like you having at the senior level of your company and, and what discussions you're having with your management team and your sellers about this? Yeah, I, I think, you know, it makes the time you have with customers even more important. So at QStream, you know, we, we're focused on making sure that your sellers have the knowledge they need when they need it mm -hmm. and that they're behaving in a way that you would want them to behave um, in the sales situation. Right. And that's even more important because of everything that's going on. Folks are, are worried about spending the dollar and it's going to be a little bit tougher. Um, so you've got to be ready. You've got to be prepared to, to answer the questions when they're asked. And you've got to take advantage of every minute you've got with those customers because we tend to schedule on 30 minute or 60 minute Zoom calls. When that 60 minutes up, it's done. You don't have that. I'm going to hang around the office and have a conversation and we're going yeah. to go get a coffee and those kind of things. It's not happening. So you've got to make the most of your time. And I think that comes down to, from our perspective, comes down to making sure that your sales teams are enabled, that they've got the information, the knowledge is in their head. And when they need it, it's there and available. All right. Well, let's talk about your, your system. Cause I presume you are mm -hmm. active consumers of your, <laughs> of your system Absolutely. Uh, to enable your sales team. So for people who aren't familiar with QStream, yeah, fill us in. Yeah, so microlearning platform that is really designed and um, came out of uh, Harvard Medical School. So, so there's some real science behind this. Over 22 peer-reviewed clinical studies. This is not marketing studies, true scientific studies uh, that were done on the use of really three main scientific areas. Um, the first being the testing effect. Uh, the testing effect says, when I ask you a question, you want to be right. 
And because you want to be right, your brain is going to receive information better. So QStream is about asking you questions, scenario-based questions. Mm -hmm. And as you get one of those questions, when you answer it, you're going to get immediate feedback. Did you get that right or wrong? And then you're going to get the second piece of the science, which is the micro learning. So immediately because of the testing effect, your brain is ready to go. It's ready to take in information. You want to be right. Bam, that micro learning is right there. And you're able to spend, you know, it could be 30 seconds. It could be two minutes on a snippet of information that tells you why that is the correct answer. So that's the first two pieces of the science. The okay, third so, piece. So, so the yep, second part is related to the, the question that you asked. Correct. Absolutely. Okay. It's going to be an explanation for why that answer okay. is the correct answer. All right. Absolutely. And then the third piece of the, the science is around spaced repetition. And spaced repetition would say at the algorithms behind QStream will take a question that you got wrong and it'll bring it back to you sooner. If you get the question right, we'll space it out further. And if you get the question right a couple of times, you might master it. And you not, might not see it again. But that repetition and that individualization of the learning for what you actually know and where your proficiency is, is absolutely crucial to making the knowledge stick. Okay. So just so people have the context, this, this is all delivered mm -hmm. on mobile, right? Anywhere, really. So mobile, iPad, laptop, desktop, doesn't matter. We'll react to any platform. Okay. And as we were talking to Duncan specifically about mobile, but because yeah. it seemed like the intent was you were trying to sort of do it in the flow of the day, in the flow when it was relevant flow. to what you were doing, right? Yeah. Flow of uh, work, I think, is probably one of the key phrases that I use in a, in a given day. We want to okay. be in your flow of work. Got it. And so what is what you're doing or what the, your platform enables is, yeah, a company to set up these these questions. And you said that it's sort of random. It's not like you're sitting down for 10 minutes at a time. Is You're going to no. spend a couple minutes mm -hmm. randomly throughout the day. Um, it's, yeah. Normally, it's uh, two to 10 minutes at the most. Um, and it's going to happen uh, two or three times a week. That's a pretty normal cadence. So it might be two days a week. You get a couple of questions. Those questions might take you two minutes. Mm -hmm. But we want it to be flow of work. We don't want to be setting aside this huge amount of time. You know, that's a lot of the, the history of training. Even these days, a lot of organizations are setting people in a room or putting them into Zoom conferences or whatever it is and giving them hour long, three hour long, two week long chunks of training. Right, right. And it just doesn't work. And there has to be that retention piece behind it. Yeah. So bigger picture behind it, let's say, mm -hmm. well, let's, let's take you as an example, your company, just so, yeah. you know, you can talk about more knowledgeably is, is you've got a sales team. You want to enable right. your sellers. They're all at different stages of maturity. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so are you setting up individual learning paths per individual? And is that something that's done by the manager? I mean, how does that get set up? Because I presume you're pulling from like a content library and saying, mm -hmm. hey, here's what this person needs. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and a great point. And, and kind of one of the most exciting things about QStream in, in the past year is the approach we've had with integrations. So you think about that learning path, you might set up that learning path in your learning management system. Just about every organization out there has got a learning management system of some kind. Well, a QStream becomes a component in that learning management system. And as you pass or complete the, the, um, the content before that, it'll automatically enroll you in that Q stream. And so it individualizes with the individual learner. 
So if they're onboarding, you might have a set of content that they go through in terms of onboarding at the end of that content or at the end of a section of that content, they automatically get enrolled in a stream. Whereas your more stable um, reps that have been around for a while, you might say, you know, I think there's a problem in this area with our sales. Well, you can use QStream to find out if that's true because of the analytics. So run the QStream, see what the proficiency looks like. And if it is low, you know, then you can put them through a more formal training and use QStream to help retain that knowledge. There's a lot of different use cases there. The key is that we want it to be adaptive to the learners. Where are they at? Where do they need the help? And then also allow it to be used to identify those areas. And I think that's a key piece as well. Right. So for, yeah, regardless of what platform, I'll say just use mobile, you don't, yep. you're on your phone. So it, the intent is not that uh, companies will use QStream as the primary form of enablement. It is in addition to, you know, court-based training or classroom training or, or whatever, maybe of more reinforcement and assessment, it almost seems like. I would say that's the primary use case is reinforcement. Now, we do have um, some very successful customers that use it as the tip of the spear, as first delivery. And because of that testing effect, even if they haven't seen that information before, that testing effect says, you know, first delivery, I don't know the answer to this, but I want to be right. The brain's going to open up because that micro learning's there. You're going to retain that knowledge better. So we've got a lot of organizations that will use it as first delivery The nice thing about that is, you know, with with a longer form course, if you have a group of people and you put them all in that longer form course, they're stuck there for that period of time. Mm -hmm. Whether they knew it or didn't know it, they're all stuck in the same room or in that same online training session. With QStream, it's not the way it is. So the the QStream has a set of questions. You're going to be involved in the QStream, but if you get that right and you've mastered those questions, they go away. So you don't have to spend the time seeing them again and again because you've mastered them, you had the knowledge. So you can decrease the amount of time spent in the actual training effort because you're actually adapting to what people know. Well, so, okay. So are there, I'm just thinking out loud, is, you know, mm-hmm. hey, if, if you've got classroom training, there's a ton of content, right? Absolutely. Whether it's relevant or not. Um, yep. And so are clients of yours then taking their classroom training and convert it into a QStream format. And that's, it seems like you're trying to put a lot through that very narrow pipe. <laughs> that very narrow pi- yeah, absolutely. And, and, the, and I wouldn't recommend for all their training. That's certainly right. not what I'm saying, but for certain key areas, and you know, you're rolling out a new product, mm-hmm. you know that this product is a different version than the last product. So some people are going to have a good baseline Mm-hmm. for what's happening because it's it's an it's an updated version. Right. So use QStream in that sense as first delivery. Now, if you're going to roll out a whole new product line, yes, you're probably going to do longer form training first and use QStream as a retention piece. It really comes down to what the type of training is. Do you have a reason why people should already know this? Mm-hmm. If they do, maybe the QStream is the right approach. Interesting. But we work with a lot of a lot of clients to help them convert that content or take that content and create the QStream from that content. Yeah. So just so people understand who are listening is, is you're not the content creator, you're the platform. Correct. Yep. And, um, yeah, interesting. So let's talk about the, the testing and assessment part because or proficiency measurement. Um, yeah, because that's really the term you guys use as more proficiency. It is. Yes. So why that term? 
and how do you how do you know you're actually measuring proficiency? Because you know, certainly in sales, proficiency is measured by hey, I'm I'm interacting with you, but right. you're asking me a question. How does one translate to the other? Right, right. So the proficiency that we're measuring is your knowledge proficiency on okay. the questions we're asking. Okay. Um, and the analytics behind our offering is something that's really kind of different in the training space. Normally, the analytics you get in the training space is this many people attended this course. And maybe you get the exam that they take at the end of the course. Mm -hmm. And then you might have that data. But a month later, what do people know? Most training applications, you have no clue. With ours, you're getting that ongoing analysis of proficiency. And so what you should see is the first time through the material, that initial proficiency, it might be low. Now, if it's too low, you want to look at the training that they had before this and say, why is it too low? What did we mm -hmm. do in that training? What could we do better? Mm -hmm. But, you know, if it's at a reasonable level, you should still see an increase because of the impact of the science behind this. That knowledge is going to be retained better. Your proficiency is going to go up. So as you get the questions repeated to you, you're getting more with them right. And that will cause the information to stay in your brain. It's it's just part of the science behind it. Yeah. Well, no, it's... it's I've even for the first time I talked to Duncan, I thought it was very interesting just because like I said, yeah. in the flow of work seems like a great way to transmit knowledge and, and yeah, and quite frankly, yeah, many companies struggle to find an ROI on the training. Absolutely. Yeah. So, very true. yeah. So for companies then are using QStream, how do they sort of isolating that this is the ROI we're finding from QStream versus, you know, our, our whole enablement effort. Sure, sure. And, and at times it is tough to, to separate one, or, one over the other. I think the nice thing about it is you at least have some analytics that say, here was our initial proficiency on these topic areas. Yeah. Here's where it's at now. And we can correlate that to we've had more success selling this particular product. Mm -hmm. You know, does that say that QStream was the sole reason why that was increased? No, it doesn't. But it does say that there should be a correlation. As your proficiency goes up in a particular area, you should be able to impact the business more with your sales efforts. And if you can't, then maybe the knowledge of the product information is not the problem. Maybe there's another problem in your sales process that you need to look at. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it, it certainly seems like the, I would say the biggest issue with sales training in general is not the content of the training. It's just that it's the delivery, it's right? It's, it's, yeah, it's, a I mean, it's not, it's not the, again, poor trainers. It's just the structure you know, doing this. Here's this big glop of information and <laughs> yeah. yeah, now what? Um, yeah. The yearly sales kickoff. Yeah. That's our training. Mm, right. No. <laughs> and that's yeah. again, not the fault of sales trainers. It's the company. No, absolutely right? not. Exactly. Because, yeah. You know, they're saying, yeah, come on in and do this, but okay. See you next time. Yeah. It, if you think about all the other areas of sales, so sales enablement, you know this better than anyone, the, the sales enablement scope is large. What we do in sales enablement is very focused on product knowledge and behavioral change of, sale, mm -hmm. of sellers. Mm -hmm. But there's a tremendous amount of other products out there in the sales enablement space. You think about products like Gong and Flight that are listening in on, on people's calls and analyzing you know, where are they going to product information? When are they going to closing? How long are they talking? Right. 
if you can combine we, those and things. We, we only refer to revenue.io on the show since they are the owners of this program. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. We'll edit so out, the, we'll edit out the gong reference there. Okay. Let me try again. <laughs> you use something like revenue.io and you're, you're getting information about what your sellers are doing well or doing improperly in a call. Immediately react to that and put them into a queue stream so that you can get that, that reinforcement of the knowledge to them on what they're having a problem with. It's, it's a really different approach to training than what's been done in the past. And it's, you know, when you talk to Duncan, I don't think Duncan would have thought it would have taken this long for the sales enablement space to realize that the forgetting curve is a real thing and there has to be reinforcement. It's really, it's been interesting to see. Yeah. Well, I mean, gosh, it's been what? 135 years since uh, the German guy, whatever his name was, came up with the Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yep. Wasn't it 1890s, I think, something like that? Yeah, 1884, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, 140 exactly. years, yeah. It's been a while. Yeah, you'd think we'd get it at this point. Um, <laughs> so the point you just made is is then, does so when a company is implementing QStream, do they identify streams they want to set up? Because you're talking about a specific instance, somebody's on a call, there seemed to be an issue in this. So is it that quick that a manager could go set up a stream in response to that? Or is it, uh, you know, by drag and drop pieces, I don't know how you put to construct a stream. Yeah. Or yeah. is it, you know, what they do when they implement it, say, at least initial implementation, hey, here are the streams we think we need. Yeah. I, I think in a, when we're selling, there's oftentimes an initiative that people are buying QStream for. So mm -hmm. it may be a product rollout, um, especially in the sales enabled space, it yeah. tends to be initiative based. Yeah. But what happens is they they bring QStream in in that initiative and they realize all the other areas where they can build up QStreams and use them. And so you will see that that first time through, yes, they targeted a particular set of training that they want to get across. But then we will see we'll see QStreams built in the you know span of a couple of days and rolled out. Mm -hmm. um, so they recognize a problem or they want to see if there's a problem. Right. They'll build that up quickly and, and roll it out. And we've spent a lot of time in the product over the last couple of years improving that creation piece because mm -hmm. that's such an important part, getting yeah. that, that adaptive, you know, and, and right. reacting quickly. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, being responsive to what's happening. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so what are the type of companies that are primarily using QStream? Great question. So as you know, talking to Duncan, we started coming out of Harvard Medical School, we started in medical schools, in healthcare, in life sciences, pharma, med pharma. device, yeah, he talked very, about very strong. Yeah. yeah, especially in the sales enablement in pharma. That was, you know, bread and butter early on. Now, the reality is QStream works well wherever knowledge matters. Mm -hmm. And over the last three to five years, we've recognized as an organization that knowledge matters a lot of places. Yeah. You know, we've gotten big into financial services, um, banks, mm -hmm. and um, we're into food safety now and food quality and those types of things because it's the same types of thing. There's, there's sales enablement needs there, but there's also process needs and compliance needs mm -hmm. and just basic HR things like diversity and inclusion, mm -hmm. you know, cybersecurity. I mean, there's so many topics that people are trying to get information into people's heads and make it stick as long as it matters as long as counting butts and seats isn't enough for you then qstream is a good fit so we've really branched out in the last three or so years into all kinds of other industries and it's it's been quite exciting to see the reactions 
Well, and beyond just sales, it sounds like too. If you're doing uh, true, absolutely DEI and and compliance mm-hmm. and so on. Certainly in the financial services, uh, big thing. Yeah, absolutely. The science works. So if, like I said, if, if the knowledge matters, then it it makes sense. So sales enablement is still a key area for us. There's no doubt. But there's a lot of other areas that that it matters also. Yeah. So it sounds like yeah, your basic. <laughs> value prop going into companies who aren't using it, investing a lot in sales training is. So clearly you don't care about the efficacy of your training. <laughs> exactly. In 20 words yeah. or less, right? <laughs> 20 words or less. I think that's fair. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, yeah. I mean, just the absence of reinforcement is, is astonishing in that we still spend 15, $20 billion a year in the United States on sales training. And yeah, that's a great question to ask folks. How much are you spending on training each year? And it's it's a big big margin. And so then, okay, so have you heard of Ebbinghaus? <laughs> do, you, do you understand the forgetting curve? So you spent X number of dollars and 80% of that X number of dollars is kind of forgotten, you know, within 30 days. That's a yeah. great place to start the conversation. Yeah, so. I, would think, I would think that would work. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so... What do you sort of see as you know, the future of enablement um, for sellers? Because, sure, you've got the solution. I, I imagine there are probably others uh, trying to do something similar. But where do you sort of see it going? I mean, yeah, just not like a bigger topic for me is one is, and I know some companies are doing this already, <clears throat> is, you know, I would advocate for, in large measure, getting rid of centralized sales training and providing stipends to people to, you know, cause there's such a wealth of knowledge out there yeah. that uh, enablement could spend their time, you know, certifying, validating, vetting, you know, courseware courses out there are online and so on that people right. can choose from and, and then make it part of, make it part of people's compensation. They got to use it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they've got to do well at it and they have to do well. So, at it. Yeah. Yeah, if you want the the extra stipend, your proficiency has to be at this level or higher. Yeah, you know that those types of things. Yeah, I think I think one of the big things that we see happening is there's a lot of learning technology out there. Having not been in the learning space prior to joining QStream, it was surprising to me how much technology is in the space mm-hmm. and how poorly connected it is. Poorly so there's a to, poorly to connected to each other to the rest of your stack. Oh. Most companies, you know, uh, I did a lot of work in the work management space. Mm-hmm. And we would talk about how many different marketing applications an organization would own. And it was sure. a huge number right. and they weren't connected. The right. same is true in the learning space. You've got an LMS, you've got your HR system, you've got this training happen over in this product and this training. It's not connected. And I think these days, you know, we're, we're getting into that TikTok generation where folks want to be able to do things in quicker increments of time. They want it to be there when they when they need it, and they want it to be reactive to what they're doing. And so if we can connect these things together so that you have some of your core training in your LMS, you have programs that you need people to go through, but those programs can be linked to things like Qstream that are more reactive and that are going to reinforce that knowledge. And then those things are linked to things that are doing the measurement, like, you know, a revenue IO, you know, those types of products coming together so that you've got the results we should be impacting, you've got the training we should be going through, and you've got real measurement of how those two things are interrelated. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big piece. So it's to me, it's a lot about integration and automation of all right. of that together. Interesting. 
Yeah, I, mean, I think there's going to be a. I'm fairly confident it's going to be a. Assuming we enter, you know, a recessionary period, stagflation, whatever. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, yeah, one of the key learnings that come out of those things is: Do we really know how to sell or not? Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, it's easy yeah. to be sloppy when yeah. things are growing very rapidly. Mm-hmm. It's much harder when things aren't. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would see. I would think companies would be rushing to embrace this type of thing if they were had any sort of self awareness, because yeah, it really comes down to just nuts and bolts execution on a very fundamental level. It does. Yeah, people are not going to give you as much time as you want to, to oh. sell your product. So you've got to be ready when it matters, right? I mean, yeah. that's, and I, I just don't, I can't see another way around it. You've got to have the knowledge in the people's minds ready to go when they're asked the right question. Take advantage or of it. Or have the ability to ask the right questions themselves. I mean, I think. Oh, that's, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And we haven't yeah. really talked about the behavior change piece of it, but that's the other piece of the science. Right. Is by doing this repetition, you are actually able to change people's behavior and how they think because of the way the science works. They're going to act differently when you set up, you know, not just product knowledge cue streams, but set up sales cue streams. How should you be selling? How should you be reacting in this situation or that situation? Those types of things. And mm-hmm. that's where that's another part that gets really exciting. Yeah, no, I can see that. I mean, yeah. I think that, that, um, yeah, we have this dearth of, of coaching in sales. I don't yeah. think this takes the place of it, but from a yeah. behavioral change standpoint, yeah, if you truly can get people to modify behaviors, then, or at least start to, then, yeah. Exactly. It yeah. takes a little of the pressure off coaches. Yeah, we love our, our sales enablement partners. We have a, a number of great sales enablement partners out there, and they are still having a very valuable role in this. But they're using QStream as a way to be there when they're not. Yeah. So they do the consulting, whatever the workshop is, it's online, it's in person. When they leave the room, QStream stays. QStream hits a couple minutes each day. It's kind of like a little bit of a a consultant on their shoulder Mm -hmm. saying, hey, remember what we talked about in the workshop? Don't forget it. And it does work. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. I mean, so the, the interval that you talked about is that again part of the science in terms of the frequency? Because yeah, if somebody does let's say a full day session, and you and we you know we take for granted that Ebbinghaus is right relative to the forgetting curve, then yeah. uh, do you really have enough time in a month to reinforce the things that you learned in one session? Yeah, it comes down to how many key topic areas. So yeah. um, you know the first thing you've got to do is analyze your course material and say, okay, what are really the key topics? Now, maybe you're not going to take a Q stream and you're going to cover absolutely everything in that training, but there tends to be 10 to 15 ish key topics yeah. in any given course. Yep. You pull those out into a Q stream and, and that's what you use. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, to the question of, is that the, the frequency and, and those types of things all controllable in the product, there is kind of that classic setting, which was the most studied, of the of the approaches in terms mm-hmm. of the spacing and how mm-hmm. how long it should take to get a wrong question again and those types of things so we have a lot of our customers stick to that for a lot of their q streams mm-hmm. but then we have different versions you can control everything how many questions when do they come how often do they come even the time of day and those types of things right um, so you've got control over all that and there's reasons to do that so if you're doing an evaluation q stream you might want all the questions within a couple of day period 
you know, cause you're just evaluating. What do we know? You're right. not talking about spacing. Right. Um, if you want knowledge retention, you might want to stick to the classic, but there's other rationales for why. And that's our services folks are so great because they've been doing this and they understand the science behind it. And so when we work with our customers, we're asking them, what's your goal here? Do you want knowledge retention? Are you trying to measure? Do you want a little bit of both? What are you trying to do? And then we'll help you determine the best approach for it. Got it. So what's sort of the, um, yeah, price range per seat type on this? It, it depends on the number of users. Um, sure. So it, it's, you know, we, we tend to price based on a division or an enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't want to have to have people counting seats all the time. We want them to use the product. We right. want the product to make an impact on them. So if they've got, you know, an enterprise of 25,000 people, um, we're going to know that not all 25,000 people are going to use that, right. but we want to give them the ability to, if they can. So right. we'll price it at a, a price point where we and the customer agree, this is the number of users we actually expect. Mm-hmm. That's fine, but go ahead and use it for the entire enterprise. And so it really comes down to that. But, you know, anywhere in the, in the, um, the price ranges really depend on that, you know, $40 a user, $60 a user, $80 a user in those types of range for a year. Yeah. Um, that's fairly common. Okay. So fairly nominal, I would say. Yeah. And that, and that's it's not, yeah. yeah. For what it's doing tends yeah. to be fairly nominal. Yep. Got it. Cool. Well, yeah, I like it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> we'll sign you up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, sign me up. Sign me up. Um, well, it's, it's interesting listening to so many of, you, of your podcast and you hear the folks with different sales methodologies coming on. And it's, it's just the first thing that comes to my mind when I'm listening to them is, Boy, we could write a Q stream about that or, you know, those types of things. We're working with folks that are writing a lot of books now, uh-huh. which is really interesting. Think about this. You go to the bookstore, you know, Amazon online or whatever it is, and you buy your next sales book or your next leadership book. And in the back of the book, there you go. You have a Q stream that comes out. So your reader reads the book. And at the end of the book, it says, sign up for our knowledge retention cue stream or however you want to phrase it. And then they start getting notifications of questions. Maybe you set it up so they get a couple a week. It's not, you know, impactful, but in terms of their time, but it helps to maintain the knowledge that you're trying to get across. Right. Really a, a unique thing that I'm, I'm excited about rolling out. All right. Sounds like he's pitching yeah. me, doesn't it? All right. <laughs> and, and you've got a couple of books that so you might want to do that with. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll talk when we're done here. So Excellent. very good. All right, Brett, thank you so much. If people want to connect with you, what's the best way to do that? Yeah. Um, sales at qstream.com or just brett.kramer at qstream.com. Perfect. We'll be happy to talk with any of them. Thank you. All right, Brett. Thanks a lot. I appreciate your time. Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen. I am so grateful for your support of the show. And I want to thank my guest, Brett Kramer, for sharing his insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good summer, everyone. <laughs>